Hey everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball. And On the Lighter Side of Baseball, the season is disappearing. The Cubs have six more games before the uh, plug is pulled on Joe Madden's managerial career. I predicted that about two months ago. It became obvious that Theo wasn't going to sign Joe to another contract, and I think that's the way it'll play out. Somebody ought to get rid of Theo, but they won't. He's pretty well insulated himself with a hierarchy of Jed Hoyer and uh, McLeod, so he's safe. Uh, the Cubs got swept at Wrigley. They lost six in a row at Wrigley, and uh, the dagger that dealt the final blow was a ninth-inning home run by Yadi Molina when the uh, Cubs went to their $43 million closer, and he served up a batting practice 97-mile-an-hour up at belt-high fastball to Yachty, who tied up the game 9-9. to and then the next pitch to Paul DeYoung went sailing almost into the exact same section of the bleachers. So this is Podcast 34. We're going to have a great time with Bruce. Bruce, my buddy Bruce, will be on the second segment. And uh, that'll be a blast because Bruce is pretty funny. And uh, that'll be on the lighter side of baseball, maybe. Lightness. Light- I tell you what, we've got the playoffs coming up. There'll be uh, a number of good teams, and we'll do a podcast at least weekly until the end of the World Series. So this is Podcast 34, and of course, 34 is Kerry Wood. What a great player. I saw Kerry set the National League record with 20 strikeouts against the Astros. Got him to sign the ticket stub back when they had ticket stubs. Now, how do you, uh, how do you get anything signed when it's an electronic uh, ticket? I mean, seriously... That's a bad deal. The ticket stubs nowadays, you know, the Cubs say, well, we'll get commemorative tickets if there's a commemorative event. Well, there ain't going to be anything commemorative for the 2019 season that I can think of. Uh, there were some highlights, more lowlights. The Cubs couldn't hit. They couldn't pitch. They had injuries. And uh, from that standpoint, uh, you know, questionable about next year. Number 34, Nolan Ryan, Hall of Famer, great pitcher, and a guy who had hit Dave Nelson more times than almost any other major league player. Nelly, there are so many funny stories that Nelly would tell about Nolan Ryan, but uh, Nolan Ryan is obviously, I'd have to say, one of the top 20 pitchers ever in the history of baseball. Uh, He drilled Nelly a few times and a couple times. Uh, it was payback for Nelly stealing second, third, and home in a minor league game. Pitchers never forget, especially pitchers from Alvin, Texas, the Alvin Express, Nolan Ryan. Good guy, great pitcher, and a fierce competitor to say the least. So, what have I been doing? In the last couple of days, we have traveled back from San Diego uh, to a Royals game that night and watched the Royals lose to the Astros. Then... What happened was we went to a um, game at Wrigley, and then after the game at Wrigley, I headed up to Minnesota for a golf tournament for Open Arms, and that has shifted the venue from Whistling Straits when Dave Nelson was the uh, uh, organizer to now up in Victoria, Minnesota, where Randall McDaniel put his name on the deal, and it was a great tournament. And uh, my celebrity with my team was Alfred 
Anderson, a running back with the Minnesota Vikings, played for Bud Grant, went to Baylor, was a Baylor Bear, great guy. And I'll talk more about Alfred in a minute. After the uh, golf tournament, which seemed like a mini Viking reunion, which I think it was, and there were a bunch of really good guys, I mean, it was a great tournament, it was a great day, it was a beautiful golf course, a beautiful day weather-wise, and we had a blast and open arms, more importantly, raised a lot of money. And uh, I think next year will be even better. I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, it just uh, was a long day. Drove home uh, with my buddy Stoney. And uh, then when I got home, I uh, turned around and went to uh, the game at Wrigley Field. And uh, that was kind of a downer. And uh, after that, I headed to uh, Milwaukee for the last home game for the Brewers. And whereas Wrigley was like a morgue, uh, Miller Park was like a revival festival, 43,000 people, and I was hosted by my good buddy and Dave Nelson's former partner, Craig Kishan, and I had a great time. And Craig and I did not do a podcast reunion, but I will soon, and uh, that'll be worth listening to, uh, as will the podcast later on with Bruce. So there you have it. The Cubs are basically all but mathematically eliminated from the wild card. They're four games back with six games to play. They go to Pittsburgh. They'll probably drop two out of three to Pittsburgh, which is absolutely in a state of disarray. The Brewers are on fire. Hopefully they'll host a wild card game. Hopefully they'll win. Hopefully they'll beat the Dodgers and then come back and be in the National League Championship Series, which I might have to attend in Milwaukee. And uh, other than that, Baseball's kind of uh, seen a lot of four-hour games lately, including the one that I went to on Saturday. I told somebody that that would be like an NFL game. Uh, you watch the noon game, and then the noon game ends. You watch the second game, and at halftime of the second game, the four-and-a-half-hour game ended, and the Cubs played the longest game ever, nine-inning game at Wrigley Field, and the Mariners beat that by about 20 minutes to four hours, and... 50-minute game, and it's ridiculous. Baseball needs to regulate the time that a pitcher has before he throws the ball. They're not doing it, and I think it needs to be dramatic, like a shot clock with a buzzer. They don't get to pitch off. Uh, it's a ball. The batter steps out of the box. It's a strike, and uh, I'll tell you what. If they have that, uh, they will not have any problem getting that uh, in before the buzzer goes off. They're not going to um, allow themselves to be embarrassed by that, and they can all pitch faster. So that's it on the uh, preseason predictions. I blew completely the Cardinal prediction. I thought they'd be in last place in the division. Instead, they are going to end up winning the division, barring some miraculous flop, and that shouldn't happen since they play three games with the Cubs at Bush Stadium. And other than that, uh, two of the, high, the two highest payroll teams shot holes in my theory. Uh, the Red Sox and the Cubs will be eliminated from playoff contention here soon, and uh, the Red Sox already have been. So, interesting, there are about six teams in the uh, top 14 money-wise that did not make the playoffs, but I think uh, in the end run, seven to eight, 70 to 80% of the teams in the top payroll will be in the playoffs, and we'll have that on our next podcast. So this is a break uh, from segment one. For segment two, we're going to be joined by Bruce, 
and uh, that will be fun. So for the lighter side of baseball or on the lighter side of baseball and for the lighter side of baseball, this is Jamie Reske saying stay tuned for segment number two. It's going to be a hoot. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Jamie Reske. We're back on the lighter side of baseball, and today we are happy to have a good friend of mine who we've attended a number of baseball games together and football games, old Bruce. I won't, you know, Bruce... Uh, He's a very famous person, so I can't give away his last name, but Bruce and I have been friends for a long time, and uh, we suffer with the Cubs. So, Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Jamie. Glad to be here on your podcast. Been listening. Glad to be a part of it. I tell you what, with you participating, that reduces our audience by at least (laughs) least 33 and a third. Uh, But uh, happy to have you. We've talked about doing this. We went to... uh, a White Sox game, it seems like yesterday, but that was in April, I think. It was, and yeah. I think I commented and even did a little deal on the podcast that I was disappointed that there were only a handful of fans and we didn't get a baseball, we didn't get a t-shirt. All we got was a gigantic Polska kielbasa that was pretty good. That's what, it was good. Food is better there than Wrigley, I think, as you well know. Well, you know, that's true. It's hard to find good food anymore at these at these facilities, but Bruce and I are going to talk a little bit about uh, the Cubs and the demise of the Cubs. We're going to talk a little bit about how Bruce got involved in loving this sport as he does, and uh, talk a little bit about Nelly and kind of see where it goes. But what do you think of the uh, the current playoff possibilities of your Chicago Cubs? Uh, non-existent, I would say. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think funny. I don't think it's math. They're mathematically eliminated, but they they are. Pretty much. Uh, between the Cubs and the Sox, which team do you think you like better than the other? Well, I like the Cubs. I mean, no matter what the Cubs do or how poorly they perform, I'll always be a Cubs fan. And that's just based on, you know, 64 years of following them, basically, from the from the crib. So, um, you know, they can't do... I, I would... I enjoy going to Sox games, and that's only been a recent phenomenon, probably the last 10 years, because it used to be um, you know, you either were a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, and not only did you were you a fan of one and not the other, you almost had to hate the other team. Yeah. And I was certainly in that mode for probably most of my adult life, but not in the last ten years. I just like baseball, and um, the Sox are an interesting team, and it's easy to get tickets, and and so I've probably gone to close to as many Sox games over the last several years as I have Cubs games. You are an expert at finding good deals, <laughs> and I, I know that long before it became vogue to get into the StubHub technology, you were a front runner on that. How do you uh, how do you find all these great deals? And you have, especially at Sox Park. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I do I do like a good deal. That's for sure, um, and not just for for baseball tickets, but in terms of availability. Um, there's always Sox tickets available. Um, and it's really unlike with the Cubs where the availability really is in the secondary market, StubHub or you know other Gold Coast or other scalpers. Um, with the Sox, you can get sometimes get tickets directly from the organization for cheaper than you can find on the secondary market. As an example, um, you know, I took my grandkids and my daughter, and son-in-law and my and the my, age of your grandkids ranged from they were five and 
three. I love it. Okay. And, and they last a couple innings, but actually, Sox Park has a number of activities. Um, hey, there have been games that I haven't lasted a <laughs> yeah, couple innings. Exactly. Well, once you go, th- it depends on when you get there, but once you go through hot dogs, cotton candy, popcorn, peanuts, so you know. I think that's why I like baseball. The, yeah. the cruddy food you can get at a ballpark. <laughs> Got me hooked at a young age. Right, and you don't feel bad about it either. Yeah. I mean, if I were to eat any of that stuff outside of ballpark environment, I would probably feel bad about it, but not there. So you get your grandkids involved at a young age, at least to go to the ball games and have food and watch the you know the green grass, and it's cool. And then they'll grow, and hopefully share your love for the game for a long time. But how did you get interested in baseball? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. I mean, I just I just remember always being involved, either playing it or watching it. Um, so I've always liked baseball. My dad really wasn't, uh, he wasn't a big fan, but he was a, a Cubs fan. And he Did you guys ha- go to games together at all? We, did, we went, we probably went, averaged a game or two a season. Um, he worked for a company that's non-existent anymore called Nelson Brothers Furniture, which was a oh. chain of kind not of... Not owned by our good friend Dave. <laughs> no, no, no okay. not at all. It was, it was kind of a you know, one of these places, and this, you know, this is going back 40 years, but right. one of these places where you can furnish your whole house for, you know, $150 or something, or at least that's another good deal. So they advertise a lot on WGN, which maybe we'll get into in terms yeah. of they're no longer being sponsors of the Cubs or broadcasters of the Cubs. But um, so he he worked for them, and as a result, and as as far as them um, broadcasting on or advertising on WGN, he would get a couple tickets. And so we went to those games. Um, and I just... Did you ever get to the south side with them? Or? Never. I yeah. can't, no. I, it's I so think funny how I, the line of demarcation is. I know, I know. I, I can't tell you. I'm guessing that my first Sox game was... I was probably 30 years old yeah. or something. And and it wasn't because of lack of... Op- I mean, it was a little bit more, you know, further away because we lived in the northwest right. suburbs. Yeah. But that wasn't it at all. Um, my cousin, who I grew up with, is the same age, was a Sox fan. And we would, um, you know, we would have battles in each, our respective yards. So he was the Sox, I was the Cubs. I was just the opposite. I, my dad and I would go down to Comiskey Park a lot. And only if somebody gave him a ticket to a Cub game. And his office was on Wabash, so he was on the near north side. So it wasn't that hard to get over to Wrigley. But I mean, I hated the Cubs with a passion, and then it, you know, it, it flipped at some point. But you're right; it was, you know, I hated them so much. I was happy when Garvey got a hit in '89 to beat him in the playoffs. You know, they yeah. blew their two game to nothing. Right, lead. right. That's the way it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's fun, and now I just laugh at that because there's still those people out there. You know, the, I'd say the majority of, I wouldn't say the majority, a big part of each fan base feels the same way. Yeah. You know, they feel, you know, they feel great if their team wins and they feel great if the Cubs or Sox lose. It's it's, it's, it's kind of strange. We'll get into the <clears throat> the Cub World Series and our respective trip to Cleveland. But when we were coming back from game 6, we stopped for a, a, a food break and there were three or four senior military guys in there and I think they were in the Marine Corps so I started visiting with them and Semper Fi and all that. And it didn't take long to get to the point that we were coming back from the game six. And the guys go, 
we're Sox fans, and we're so sick and tired of this lovable loser crap that we're pulling for you guys. <laughs> that <laughs> right? so that's okay. kind of yeah. the, yeah. the uh, bittersweet yeah. White Sox fan. Yeah, and and they're both. It's in, it's interesting where they both are, right? I mean, the Cubs are disappointing people now because they've spent all this money and they've you know they've reached you know they they won the World Series and now people have an expectation that's yeah. much higher than it ever was right. for them and the Sox are developing and so you know you kind of give them more of a break now you know okay they're expected to lose more than they win and they've got some exciting young players and we'll see where that goes so and including Eloy Jimenez I know. who it's, the Cubs gave him for uh, Quintana Quintana yes. right um, yeah I mean I think that's interesting the White Sox are going to be you know They've got some great players, and when their pitchers get healthy, if they get healthy, they'll, you know, they have a shot, and hopefully they won't fire Renteria like the Cubs did. Yeah, I, you know, but I think his days are numbered. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The other I deal think is he's a caretaker. I had no idea, and I sort of follow the White Sox a little bit, uh, try to, but I had no idea Abreu was having such a great year, and he's a free agent next year. He'll be gone. He'll probably be a DH with somebody like the Yankees or the Indians or, you know, with the new ownership in Kansas City. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be there for, for the Royals. But, uh, no, it's cool that you're getting your grandkids involved. It's kind of a part of this show about how, how people get, you know, into this love affair with baseball. And, um, you know, for us growing up, even being a Sox fan, the Cubs games were always on TV. Right. WGM. Right. And you and I talked about that a little bit. At breakfast today, um, I was at the game Saturday, as you know, and aside from it being a f- funeral-like environment when Yachty tied the game with the home run and DeYoung hit one about three seconds later, <laughs> it was infuriating that they were like treating WGN so nicely after the, the Cubs higher-ups basically screwed them to the wall. Right, right. I agree. I mean, WGN was synonymous with the Cubs. Yeah. Right? And and actually, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been. It's certainly been the last decade, if not, you know, fifteen years that it's their games have been all over the map. You know, and I just don't. I still don't get it. I still don't quite understand how GN gets so many games. Money, and, money, money, money. Right? ABC That's gets it. Some, There's nothing and, more to get. You know. Then uh, my it's cable gross. system, it's four twelve dash fifteen or something well, in terms of CNB. Whatever. Remember when. The Cubs were sucking, but they were on the verge. And you and I went to a, a, a theater somewhere in December because the Cubs were just pandering to anybody they could to try to oh, show right, how, exactly. how, nice, that, downtown. How, how great they are to their season ticket right, holders. Right. And I think it was at Craig Kenny. Is that yes. the guy's yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. The business guy right. who was had one foot out the door. Right. The dude was about fired, and now he's king of the world. Right. Right. And he's he is. You know, proudly talking about how we're going to get ninety million just from the Marquee Sports Network. You know what I, you know, I try not to swear on this show. I'll just say it's a bunch of crap. Right. Uh, and it's it's the monetization. And you know, I don't fault Ricketts. He put his own money into the deal. He's fixed up the ballpark, and the area has grown around it. He's even bought neighboring. But I mean, that doesn't mean you have to like it. Right. Exactly. I, I think it, it'll be interesting to see, um, because as we as we were discussing before, I don't know how much it's going to cost per subscriber to get you know your fill of Cubs games next year. But there is going to be a cost. It's not clear yet whether 
it's going to be forced down cable and satellite users' throats in terms of we're just going to add to your monthly fee, you have no choice, or whether it's going to be something that you actually have a choice and have to take $4 of, out of your own pocket every you know, every month to see the Cubs 24-7. Well, and not only that cost savings, if you don't get it, if you protest, if you can, I mean, you might be stuck. And again, like in our, our uh, studios in Wisconsin and in California, occasionally there's an outside noise, <laughs> and you probably can hear a siren, but be that as it may. No, in addition to saving, because I'm not going to watch it, I may give up my season tickets because of it, although you don't believe me. I don't believe that for a second. I'm going to save money by not watching the Cubs. I should be able to get off of my blood pressure medicine (laughs) (laughs) because it's just so frustrating to watch the Cubs. But baseball now, like we were talking about, the Cubs game on Saturday was four and a half hours, and it wasn't the longest game in the major leagues. Seattle played a game. That lasted four hours and fifty minutes, and for nine still, inning, we're for, talking for, for nine, nine innings. innings. Yeah, and that's like the NFL having the noon game, and then the ball game would end at halftime of the second game. Now, baseball's got to do something. This guy Dakota Hudson threw. I, I got my stopwatch going. He threw three pitches in three minutes without a mound visit by anybody. He's just sitting out there, jacking around. Wow. I mean, he wouldn't get off the rubber. Right. He just kind of right. And did the umps did the umps say anything? I give him a warning now. No, they've abandoned all that. Yeah. I turned to the guy next to me, who bought my ticket, two of my tickets on StubHub, and I said, "Oh my God, this game's going to go on forever." And the and the guy goes, "Well, I don't have anything else to do today." So I don't know if that's (laughs) the attitude of the casual Cub fan because I don't think there are a lot of repeat people that go to Cub games anymore. I think they're all. I mean, they draw thirty-five thousand people. Right. I don't. I mean, it's it should take like when we were growing up, two and a half hours for a game. Right. And right. Uh, well, that's why I mean, we were talking before of Sox and Cubs. The one thing I remembered over the last decade is Mark Burley on the Sox, yeah. and you know, he was an efficient pitcher. Right. Those games went. I don't know if they went two and a half hours, but they were certainly on the they, you know he had three a hours or two and, hours. Uh, yeah. Um, it's so when much I was better. watching the White Sox with my dad in the '60s, their offense was so pathetic that the you know if the pitcher gave up a run, it was like oh man, we're going to lose one to nothing. Right. But the games would start at eight; they'd be done by ten. I'd be home by you know quarter to eleven, which you know wasn't terrible in the summertime. But now, I think I never believed this, but I think they had a, a strict shot clock like in basketball, and if you don't throw that ball within 30 seconds. A, right. An alarm goes, you know, right. a buzzer sounds, and that's a ball. And I guarantee if that happened, you'd never hear the buzzer. Right. Well, what does the clock, what is it? They have a clock. They now, have a clock. But it's it not. nothing. It's not enforced. No, I mean, it, so, almost, it gives a, it gives the uh, person in a ball game something to look at. Right. You know, while the pitcher's not doing anything. Right. But other than that, no. I mean, they have the between-the-inning clock. And they've cut off a half a minute, and that's fine and good. They've cut out the mound visits. But it doesn't seem to help because I think current pitching strategy is if you look at the batter long enough, he'll start getting tired. Yeah. And have a better chance of messing him up if I don't throw the ball for a long time. You have very few guys that catch it, throw it, catch it, throw it, catch it. I don't know. I mean, and it, you know, 
my best buddy at the ballpark, the only guy I ever see all the time is Lloyd, the beer guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I bought his books, but I didn't he get He has multiple signed. books now. Uh, he had two books. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know he uh, was yeah, on volume two. Yeah, he got oh Rickley and, and Very Whiskey. impressive. Okay. But um, uh, I said, man, you're going to make a lot of money today. And then about the, about the third hour in, he comes by and goes, you're right, I'm getting tired. I don't know. You follow... Uh, I mean, we we aren't going to have playoff baseball here. Do you follow any other team? In in, in baseball? baseball? No, not really. No. Brewers? No. Dodgers? No, I don't. I you don't. Know, it's kind beginning. of the Cubs. I used to, what I used to do is because we moved around a lot, right? From I'm from Chicago, but we moved and lived away from Chicago for 25 years and then came back 15 years ago. So whatever city I moved to, I became, I was always a Cubs fan but I became a fan of the team of that city. So we lived in Minnesota for seven years, so I was a Twins fan. Went to um, a couple World Series games there. Uh, and we moved to Kansas City, and I was a Royals fan. You know, I was always a Cubs so fan. they have World Series. Right. And it was convenient, actually, that the other teams Gotta were... Got to move to Lakeview. Maybe the Cubs <laughs> would win again. It was convenient that the other teams were in the American League because then I could get dual loyalty. For a while. What did you root for there? There was a Triple like A team. Clowns. There. Yeah, yeah, there yeah. still is. Yeah, I don't think I ever went. I don't think I ever went to a game. We weren't there that long, so there was no Triple A uh, baseball. Well, what other ballparks have you been to, and what do you think is the best ballpark you've been to? Well, Wrigley. I'm going to go with Wrigley. Obviously, as as the best. And I'll include food and in all this. Give us a little in food because you're okay. a food guy. I'm a food guy, but I mean a very simple food. So it's not elevated. To find a Wrigley, not, not elevated ballpark fare. I mean a good yeah. Italian sausage or hot dog or or you know that that type of food. Um, well, I've obviously been to you know. Kaufman is it even called Kaufman anymore? Or? You know, I don't know. It's called. And I'm a season ticket holder there. It's called the K. It's called Kaufman. I think the. I don't know. Yeah. You know. And and I was. I mean, in Minnesota when I was there, they were playing in the dome. Um, they were not. You know, they target it's field. The baggy room. Yeah, where the Vikings play, and the, and it wasn't a great venue for baseball food. at all. You know, I don't even remember the food. I think it was adequate. I mean, I just, you know, I have my standard. If I have a hot dog and a Coke or beer and bag of peanuts, that's kind of my... Target Field, have you been to Target have Field? have not been to Target Field. That was so close. And the friggin' Royals yeah, were playing. Yeah, that's right. You're just there. Time. I'm but surprised. Had a, had a new grandson, had to take care of that business, and uh, God love Teddy. And um, so I got a late start, otherwise I would have... Uh, rounded up my buddies and gone up to Target Field to see the White Sox. I don't even know what or the Twins play the Royals, and then the next day they played the White Sox. Okay, I think I mean in terms of food, I think Royals uh, Kaufman had some good food, had barbecue. That uh, at least the other ballparks that I've been at hasn't had, given Kansas City's uh, ever reputation. Seattle? You get out to Seattle. You know, I have I have a, a brother and a sister there, but I've never been to the. To the ballpark. I've been to Angel Stadium in What's Anaheim. What's that like? I've never been. It's you know, it's not a. It has a nickname, and I can't. Is it the Sombrero or I can't that's, remember. That's the Tropicana. Okay. Trop and, okay. And, uh, well, I can't. It has some yeah. the Halo or something. I don't know it, but uh, it's, an Anaheim. it's Anaheim. It's pretty it's nondescript. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a pretty pedestrian ballpark. Um, don't really remember the food. I think it was you know typical. Um, Food, so yeah. I, other than that, I'm trying to think if there's. There, I'm sure there's other parks, but they don't immediately come to mind. Haven't been to either 
of the New York stadiums. I was at Fenway once. You know, that's, you think? I, mean, it I loved it. Life. I mean, that's you know, you got to go to Wrigley and you got to go to Fenway and you know, probably old Yankee Stadium would have been hot dogs. They put them in a little yeah, like a like a bun, but it's like a little truck, I guess. And the piggyback is the hot dog. It's yeah. pretty good. I just remember. I mean, I only went once and. I just remember the way, and it was probably before they did a lot of renovations, but the, the, the stadium was even, you know, harder to navigate than like Wrigley. I mean, they'd right. have rows that you, um, or aisles that you'd head down and then would just stop. Yeah. There would be seats at the end and, food and you couldn't get your food. And a little cubby hole on the third lot. I mean, Fenway yeah. is and always has been, even with the renovations, just a cool place. And my impression when I first walked up to it was like, it was like you're going. You're going. That's a baseball stadium. It looked like a factory on the outside, and then all of a sudden you get in there, and right. there's a baseball field. Right. Right. And the old ballparks were that way. I think that was like Comiskey, Wrigley way back, and and I'm not sure that the renovations have all been for the for the better. But the um, favorite ballpark besides Wrigley, you went to the Jake. That's pretty cool. Cleveland's a pretty nice ballpark. Yeah, the Jake was cool. Uh, I went to Bush. Stadium or the yeah. new Bush, the or, new Bushes. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, that they do have. I mean, as much as their arrival, they have great fans. They have great support. Um, I really wanted to hate the new Bush Stadium, uh, and it, there are some problems like going from the when you come in. If your seats are in the second level, it's hard to find a stairway, not a ramp. But the food is uh, my favorite buddies at um, Sports Service, so their food is really good. The ballpark's really good. And they, they, I know, they're proud of their fans. Funny, funny thing. Uh, I was watching the Cardinal-Brewer game, because now I'm a Brewer fan. I don't like anybody <laughs> but the Brewers. I was watching that game, and, and in the bottom of the, or the top of the ninth, Ryan Braun had a grand slam, and the ball landed in the seats, and within five seconds, those great fans went home, because they figured the game was over, and then the Cardinals almost came back. But I was hoping that was the death blow to them. That home run was such a dagger in the heart but the next day they won and now they're in that was the only prediction I've messed up when the podcast began I predicted that the Cardinals would finish last is that in right? The division. Okay. and I totally, I'm not sure if I did that because I just don't like the birds on a bat or I was trying to figure that I wasn't counting on Goldschmidt and I wasn't counting on their pitching to be like it is they're really good. Yeah, I mean, they are really good. Um, everybody played. else was pretty predictable except for the Twins. The two central divisions are Dodgers, Astros, Yankees, and, and the Braves were exciting. Yes. Pretty cool. Yes. So, World Series, Cubs, and after that we'll talk a little bit about Fantasy Camp because Bruce okay. and I started <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> Camp. seemed like last year was probably 15 years ago. So, the um, World Series is going on <clears throat> in you could tell when, you know, the World Series is very predictable schedule-wise. You know, you got two games on Tuesday and Wednesday every year, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, middle, and then the last two games are Tuesday, Wednesday of the following week. And in the beginning of the series, that was funny, I called Bruce and I go, hey, man, we should get together and watch Game 7 because I think there's going to be a Game 7, and if there is, I think it would be fun for us to watch it. He goes, well, I'm not planning on that. I've got a recital to go to. Okay, so I didn't talk to Bruce again. I was a little pissed. Are you kidding me? And he loves his grandkids, and we'll give them their due. So fast forward to game six. I take a bunch of kids and my wife to uh, 
to Cleveland, win the game. I think we spent the night, and I'm driving home, and who do I get a call from but Bruce? <laughs> and what did you say, if you remember? I, I, well, I think I asked you whether you wanted to go to Game 7, because yeah. we were on our way to Cleveland, um, and you had committed to the other side of the expressway, I think, heading back to, to Chicago. So I, Yeah, I promised. <laughs> the kids all work. I, I don't. Bruce really doesn't either. And... Uh, so I have nothing but time, but I told everybody unequivocally, I will not, no matter what, stay for Game 7. I've seen a bunch of bad Game 7. I'm not going to do it. So I'm heading back. We're on the friggin' same toll road as Bruce, and he calls. And where are you? I said, well, I'm an hour out of Cleveland. Well, tell him to drop you off at the rest stop. I'll pick you up. Dude, I'm not doing it. You went and had a great We did. Great well, you, you mentioned earlier that I am frugal or something to that effect or that I and I am I don't think I said that at all and so you look for good deals and so I hadn't gone I mean I had you know this was this was a great experience obviously the Cubs on their way to to the World Series but I hadn't gone to a playoff game and at least at the beginning of the World Series it didn't look good for the Cubs and so every day I'd look at StubHub and what are tickets and boy I don't want to spend that and it got to I think it was Sunday game five, right, in, at Wrigley. I, yep. I believe that was the case. And I looked um, online, and they were actually, because everyone was thinking that they, they were going to lose that day and not go back, you know, to, to Cleveland. And so the tickets were reasonable for, you know, for World Series compared to the rest of the thing. And, and I looked, and I was going to do it, and I asked my wife, who's not a big fan, but, you know, she said, okay, if you want to do it, and I didn't do it. Long story short. Now, the flip side of all that is, as a season ticket holder with the (laughs) Chicago Cubs, I had paid for and attended games three, four, and five. So, you know, I was well invested financially in the Cubs while Bruce is scoping out, you know, what's a good deal on StubHub. Exactly. So, didn't go. They won. Regretted it. Um, Jamie went on to Game Six. I yeah, watched and I'm that on television. Chris is going to a dance recital of his <laughs> granddaughter, which is kind of a funny thing to do when the Cubs hadn't won a World Series. Exactly. In years. Exactly. But Game Seven, we woke up that morning. I woke up that morning. Got up. An epiphany. Epiphany. Went to StubHub again, and tickets were reasonable. I mean, I remember for Game Seven they were like fifteen hundred dollars a piece, which. Um, for what I think were season, you know, were decent seats. Although I didn't know because I had never been to the Jake before. So uh, convinced Debbie, my wife, that we should do it. This was about 8 a.m. in the morning. Bought the tickets and basically got in the car and drove to Cleveland. Um, and in route is when he called me right. to say, "Hey, have him drop you at a rest stop. We'll pick you up." <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and we, you know, we were on our way. What we what a great game. It was a fantastic game. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, the rain delay was, uh, again, I'm the bigger fan than my wife, but she was more into it than I was, I, you know. and, and Well, nothing nothing beats winning like winning. Oh, it's it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> and it was, well, it's the greatest, obviously the greatest um, sports spectator, you know, experience of my life. And will be. There's nothing that could top it. I right. can't think of anything that would top it. Yeah, so. I, I I agree for a lot of different reasons. The funny thing about Bruce's uh, mental process that we're talking about is that he and I shared a similar 
search for tickets in 2003 when Bruce was getting ready to leave Kansas City, I think, in, in chronologically, but Bruce was hosting a party about the time that <laughs> I remember we were looking for uh, tickets to the World Series, because we were absolutely sure the Cubs in 2003 were on their way. They had Kerry Wood, and they had Pryor, and Game 6 and 7, and uh, even as we spoke, you know, the unthinkable, the horrendous, the Bill Buckner play of 2003 occurred with uh, Moises Alou and Bartman. Exactly. And so I called my good friend Dave Nelson and said, man, you know, you have a line on the World Series tickets. And, and he said, no. And then after Bartman, uh, then Wood and Pryor did the unthinkable there and lost and they didn't quite win the National League pennant or go to the World Series. But it was funny because that led me to call Dave the, you know, a month later and say, you know, I think I'd rather, I'd like to get Cub season tickets. And, you know, lo and behold, I, I don't know if that was a good break for me or a bad break for me, <laughs> but I got season tickets because Bruce and I were getting shut out of World Series tickets in, in 2003. And in 2004, I started my 15-year run, which I'm pledging to end in 2020 boycotting the Cubs season tickets. Don't you think that'll happen? No. I mean, nobody that knows Jamie would put any money on that. We, we take the, I don't know if it would be over or under, whatever the he's going to renew is, I would take the he's going to renew. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens. At the house. But uh, we're, we are uh, going to take about a two-minute break here, and when we come back, Bruce and I are going to tell you about how we started Fantasy Camp <laughs> in Mesa, Arizona, and it had to be like a year ago. So, Jamie Retzke on the lighter side of sports. We'll be back in just a few minutes after a word from, if we had a sponsor, now would be the time for that word. We are back on the lighter side of baseball. This is segment three. Got Bruce here. We're talking a little bit about the Cubs, a little bit about the White Sox, a little bit about everything. And we discussed the World Series, so it's all downhill from 2016. But Bruce and I did it. I don't know. How in the world did we get into going to fantasy camp? I mean, that's not really something that, that I ever thought I'd do. Well, you were still working, and I wasn't. So I had all this time on my hands, and we were both Cub fans, and it probably followed the disappointment of them not getting through um, to the, you know, the Bartman incident and all of that. And so we decided that we were going to go, and I think we went in January of 2004. I think right? that's right. And we did some training, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, that training was rigorous. <laughs> it was rigorous. Um, the most, you know, the most able athlete uh, between... Jamie and I was my dog, Casey, <laughs> who uh. was good at fetching balls and so on, and she was much more agile than the than the two of us. But we that's we, so true. And when when I started bringing this subject up on the podcast with Bruce, the first thing that popped into my mind, and Bruce had a, a wonderful dog, Casey, a brown standard poodle, as I recall, exactly, and. And uh, Casey enjoyed us getting ready for fantasy camp way more than Bruce and I. She did. We didn't take her, but she uh, she certainly was a good training partner. And my bet is she would have been a lot better <laughs> performer at fantasy camp than you and I were. Might have been. Might oh have been. Oh my God. The uh, 
So, yeah, Bruce and I are out. I'm trying to, you know, lose my 20 pounds that I always try to lose and usually find 25 to go after 20 lost. But so Bruce and I would warm up, we're playing catch, and then one of us had the brilliant idea to go to a batting cage. <laughs> and I'm telling you, uh, that was funny. I mean, we both played baseball when we were younger, and because of our love of the game, we had to have more success than we did at the batting cage. Exactly. Oh my God! Exactly. I mean, it was yeah, it was eye opening. It wasn't like we were setting it at ninety miles an hour either. We right. were having trouble catching up to a fifty mile an hour grooved pitch. Yes. Although it wasn't all that grooved, from what I can recall, it they were was, thrown at. Us. It was yeah, it was an eye opener, and uh, it didn't dissuade us from doing it because we figured that, you know, there were going to be people there just as out of shape um, as us. And you know probably the same age group and maybe older, and that certainly was our experience. Once what a we great experience! I mean, that really it was fantastic. There were just an awful lot of highlights, but uh, one of the and, it, and it's fun to talk about because Randy Hundley, I had uh, met in St. Croix playing golf. It was his camp, but I mean, like Bruce, I don't think we knew anybody else. Maybe um, oh, Bobby Denier was another guy that I had known. Other than that, we didn't know anything about it, and uh, we show up, and there's like, what, a couple hundred people there? I think I think there were a hundred. I think there were a hundred. All um, dressed like... <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They all look like however many people. They, we all look like penguins in our blue. Yeah. As, oh, my God. As I recall, funny. there was like 99 men and one woman. Yeah, right. I don't even, it's not like um, me to forget the woman, but I don't remember. Yeah, she was there, and she was quite capable, and um, and I also I, I also remember that I'd say half of half of this hundred, I don't know if the hundred is accurate, but it's it's close, half of them were repeat campers, Yeah, you know, who had come back. This was not even their second time. That This was their winter vacation, and basically. And the benefit, it was less cost because they kept the uniform. They kept the uniform, and they kept their team intact. So, so you know, given your your pension for a bargain, I'm surprised you didn't go yeah. back yourself every year. It was a once. It was a once in the life. I mean, I enjoyed it immensely, and I'm I'm so happy we did it. But once was good. Funniest you know? memory. What What do you think? Oh, I, I there's there's several, but one of them certainly was, you know, and I don't know if you've talked about it in your in previous podcasts how you're such a memorabilia collector. <laughs> so Probably. you know, Jamie doesn't do anything halfway when it relates to equipment or memorabilia so i remember you getting a case of louisville sluggers right yeah and bringing it down you gave you were nice enough to give me one p72s and i believe was there 12 in a case or i think there were 12 in the the, uh, shipment okay and again these were these were good p72 robin yacht model bat and I had one, I know, um, and you had 11. I didn't know I gave you one. That was, <laughs> not, that was nicer than I thought I was. Maybe you kept some back in Kansas City and only brought 10. But I remember uh, all of those bats were cracked <laughs> within the first day, I think. Totally they? true. It was, like, yeah. amazing. So everybody else in the whole world that has a brain shows up, you know, with a nice aluminum bat. Right. Or they supplied aluminum bats, or, too. Yeah, they the had a aluminum bat. But no, I had to bring... <laughs> I had to go major league. I brought uh, all these wooden bats and bruises right there. The first friggin' pin. And the Cubs are a little different than everybody, than a lot of these other fantasy camps. They have pitching machines that throw to you. 
So they'd will you know, instead of having a camper try to get the ball over the plate, you knew the ball was going to be in the vicinity of home plate. First swing, crack. <laughs> it did crack every, you know, after a, a day or two, I think I switched to aluminum because I was out of what, but, but when I got these guys like Billy Williams, Ron Santo, Becker, Hundley, all these studs, Fergie, I'd have them autograph my bats and they looked cooler because they were all broken. Right. <laughs> but back then, bats didn't shatter. Right. Well, two of the names you didn't mention in, in, in the list that you just said were Jose Cardinal and Joe Pepitone. Yeah. And you asked me one of my favorite memories was um, before we would go out and actually play or practice or do whatever we were going to do for the day, we would have a um, locker room session um, where the players would hand out awards to the campers from the previous day and they would be joking and they would just go back and forth and banter among the ex-players. And I just remember Pepitone and Cardinal going at it. Cardinal, whose English isn't, you know, to this day very good. Yeah. And Pepitone would just egg them on and it was just a hilarious... That was my favorite thing to do in the morning, you know, much more than just going out and playing, our, was listening to these guys. Yeah. Given our, pre, our preparation for going to the fantasy camp, doesn't surprise me that your favorite thing was sitting <laughs> yeah. around listening to these guys well, joke. Well, and I was right there with you. Absolutely. Well, in the overall arc, I mean, when people ask me today or, you know, in the, in the past, you know, tell them about my experience, it was, you know, I felt like the first day was great. I felt, you know... I wasn't out of that out of condition. I could actually participate and so on. And people started getting hurt. In fact, you know, the joke was it wasn't the ex-players that the most popular, you know, cub people in camp. It was the trainers yeah. because everybody, all the campers, were getting strained muscles and pulled muscles and so on. But I remember my first day I was fine. My second day I think I was actually running for other people that had leg injuries. Right. And by the third day, I was already hurting, and people were running for me, probably. Isn't that so, funny? yeah, for well, a seven-day camp. You know, they divided up teams. I don't know how they did it, but they put Bruce and me on the same team. And uh, we, I, I, our coach was a former general manager of the Cubs, and he was a really good guy. And then Billy Williams was our, you know, another coach on our team. And so, uh, and I can remember Nellie, you know, telling me, and Dave used to do all the Cleveland Indian camps. Um, and Dave would say, look, don't overdo it, listen to your body, blah, blah, blah. So the first game, first I broke my bat in the first <laughs> inning, and then I tore my hammy in the second <laughs> inning. And I can remember this, one of the younger guys, and he had to be 30, I think, so he was at least 30, he's playing shortstop, and he goes in the hole, he makes a great play. And he pivots and he throws, and I'm playing first base. And I remember back in college, like 50 years earlier, I used to be able to do the splits at first base. I played first and <laughs> caught a little bit. So I stretch out for this throw, thinking I'm going to help this guy, you know, celebrate a tremendous play, and my leg pops. And Billy Williams was sitting in the first base coach's box, four feet away from him, and he goes, was that your leg? <laughs> I think I was the, officially the first guy to that trainer Bruce talked about. I, I think, I think oh. so. I think so. But and the, and that's where the trainer goes. It's the worst hammy I've ever seen, and I mean it was black and blue for six months. But it was <laughs> worth it still. You'd it, still do uh, it, yeah. It, I would do it again, and and what was, what was, uh, funny like Bruce said. By the end of the camp, I think they were trying to find 
wives. <laughs> exactly. In fact, our wives came and watched the, they did. the big game. The big game at Ho-Ho-Cam Park. Right? Yeah, that put them to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I think they came with beer. I think they smuggled in beer. Did I don't remember, did they? Um, yeah. All okay. I remember from our wives was that they just couldn't find us because everybody looked the same. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, And they would announce your name. I think, I don't know, did you get more than one at bat at the big game uh, against the know, players? You know, I think I limped up twice to yeah. the plate and yeah. somebody was there to run for me because yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't run back to the dugout. Right, right, when it was live pitching. So it was right. actually, I think Fergie was pitching at one point, wasn't he? Right, and then um, they brought in some guys that weren't in the camp that a former Cy Young guy that was like, not to our side, but to the, I mean, he was like, Busting guys, it was yeah, sliders exactly, in. exactly, oh exactly. I remember I did hit, I did make contact. You did, and I, I did get on base, yeah. and that was, you know, that was the highlight. It was that great. was the highlight yeah. of our group because between us, which formed our group, <laughs> I don't think I saw first base other than when I played at one. But in the game, in the big game. They wanted to get everybody in, so there were like 45 outfielders. Exactly. You, know, you couldn't exactly. run three feet if you had exactly. to. Exactly. I think I was playing a short combination, you know, long second short center or something like that. I'd so. do it again just for the entertainment and the, uh, you know, the Cubs, there were, you know, there were Hall of Famers, Billy Williams and Fergie Jenkins, and I'm probably leaving somebody out, but Pepitone, I mean, go right down the list. Then Sando came over. Uh, he didn't participate. He just had his second leg amputated. But I can remember him wrestling with me, you know, asking if he wanted him to, pin, if I wanted him to pinch run, you know, with his two artificial legs. He would have left me in the dirt. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, that was a that was a fun fun thing that we experienced together, and uh, uh, one of the great memories, including the World Series. So there, that's all, Bruce, in my great memory. Got any other good memories, Bruce? No, I mean that. Those are those are two big ones. Well, absolutely. Another thing that we always talk about on the show is uh, my good friend Nelly, and uh, you know Nelly was always uh, you know around. It was part of my a big part of my life, and uh, I think you had a few contacts with old Nelly Belly. I did. He was a great guy. I mean, he was the kind of, and I know you've said this on prior podcasts and people know this, but um, I didn't know him that well, but I always felt like he was a friend, that he, you know, was interested in, you know, in me and, you know, my life. And, you know, that's only with, you know, interactions that were very sporadic. He was just a great guy and great storyteller and a, a great, a great person. Yeah. He, he, uh, he had that ability, and as I've said, it wasn't like he'd had his, pulled out his phone or his computer, but, I mean, he'd know who your kids were, he'd care about you and your family, and, uh, you know, everybody left feeling like, boy, this is a good guy, good friend. So um, I was in Milwaukee yesterday with his radio partner, Craig Kashan, and uh, Craig's still doing the uh, pregame and postgame and an occasional play-by-play, and you know, whenever you're around and in the golf tournament the other day, a lot of memories of Dave, but uh, they, they live on and, uh, uh, you know, for the rest of us, life, life goes on. But, uh, you know, that was fun. With respect to um, other goofy Cub experiences, you know, Sosa, Zambrano, Kerry Wood, there were some wacky, wacky teams, wacky games. It was kind of a, uh, an interesting era, but now... You know, I asked this question to somebody else. Um, on the Cubs, if, if you were just going to 
pick a player, is there anybody on the Cubs that you'd pay to go see play? On the current Cubs? On the current Cubs. Uh, yeah, I would probably pay to see Javi yeah. play. I mean, he's just he's exciting in so many ways, most of which are very good, some of which aren't. Yeah. But he's kind of a highlight machine, and, and you never know. I agree. And I would pay to see him. Um, and the other guy, I'm not sure he would fall into the category of have to see, but just a guy that's just solid and I really appreciate is Rizzo. Yeah. I just, you know, I just think he's a great – on and off the field, I he's, totally he's agree. a great he's a great guy. So those would be the two guys I think that I I feel you know. I can't imagine anybody else right now uh, that I would uh, on the current Cup team. But on other teams, for example, people ask me that I'd pay to see Mike Trout. Of course, I would probably pay to see most of the Nationals pitching staff: Strasburg and Shear, uh, Max Scherzer. Uh, I'm sure there's some rookies around that have been right. that are leading. Can you think of other? I'd pay to see the Houston Astros, and and I think I have. But who's the the guy? I get is is it Otani on um, yeah. on the Angels? Yeah. I mean he's been That's injured, but true. you know that two way foreign born player next year. Yeah. That's him. that's going to be an exciting story. I I, I think so. I, I think so too. That's a great one. Um, the you know I was thinking when. If you asked me that for the generation when we were growing up, I'd say Willie Mays, I'd say Mickey Mantle, I'd say... Koufax. There's there's probably, we could rattle off 50 people and right. maybe more, right. that now, Willie Stargell, Willie McCoy, right. you name it, right. you go to each team, and uh, Johnny Callison, all those guys seemed way more cool right. than... These current guys. I agree. I agree completely. And it was in the moment too. It's not, you know, it's not the benefit of hindsight and looking at their career stats that you say that. It was like when Stargell was playing. You yeah. know, when the Pirates were in town. But when Clemente, back, you but know, back I mean, then, if you drew a million people, you were a you were a kick-ass franchise. Right. Now they're drawing two and three million. The ticket price, everything's gone up. Right. Beers ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen bucks. Right. And, and I don't understand. Why the why and even with attendance going down, I don't get it. I mean, you you just can't name the, even the guys that are now getting in the Hall of Fame. And I like Harold Baines, but to me, he's no Willie Stargell or right. or Al Kaline or Brooks Robinson. All those guys were like the real all stars. Right now, I'm going Mike Messina, and, and I don't have any ill feelings towards those guys, and I liked Harold. Got to know him a little bit through Dave. It's just not the same, is it? I mean, it, no, it's all not. The, can it's, you imagine Bob Gibson watching these guys do all these dances? They get in the dugout and go through their Congo line. Yeah. Gibby put it in their right, friggin' exactly, ear. Exactly. And now he threw at me. Didn't he know I got right. a family? I mean, it's right. just it's. Different. I think the money is part of that. You know, I think just the money that's in baseball from all different aspects, the player salary player salaries, the franchise costs, um, you know, just everything has kind of changed it. You yeah. know, it used to be these guys, right? I mean, this is... That's eight. why I'm not getting season tickets. <laughs> yeah. This is dating both of us, but it used to be, well, maybe it was a little bit before when we started following them as kids, but, you know, right before that, these guys had 
second jobs in the offseason, right? Yeah, because totally. their player salaries didn't wasn't enough to live on for the year. Yeah, and now they, it's just they, they hated you know, rookies. Now you hit two fifty and twenty homers and it's a twenty million dollar year contract. Yeah, so that's true. And you know, and I always talk about Nelly, he hit two eighty six and in uh, nineteen seventy three made the all star team and he signed for a two year fifty thousand dollar contract. Now he'd be getting four, five, six million a year and uh you know, it's changed, and the players have changed. And, the, you know, you look at the uh, Pete Alonso or whatever his first name is, hitting 50 home runs. Right. It's like, really? And then you figure out later, somebody clued me in that Major League Baseball owned the baseball company now. And all, lo and behold, they claim that the drag is, you know, not as significant as it had been, and that's why all the home runs. Right. But and you were saying that the same was true in AAA, right? Did yeah, you, they decided to use the... The uh, Major League Baseball and AAA, and they're setting home run yeah. records. And guys are telling me that if you just pick up a ball, you can tell the difference really? in the scenes. Okay. But, um, you know, why have a home run derby? In fact, i got to believe that home run derby and all-star games, days are numbered. Everybody that participates in that goes into a season-ending slump. Is Look that at, right? Yeah, Josh Bell didn't hit a home run for a month and a half. Oh, hour. my gosh. And okay. now he's hurt. And, uh, you know, they yell at couldn't hit a home run after the uh, home run derby, but uh, I think Yelich is a good story. I think um, I think the Twins are kind of interesting, and I think the uh, I, you know I started out the podcast saying you can predict uh, who's going to be in the playoffs by the payroll, but this year the Red Sox and the Cubs have the number one and two payroll. They're going home. Are the Yankees third in the payroll? The uh, Yankees are third. Um, but and I looked at it this morning. There's like six teams in the uh, above average that are um, not in the playoffs. You know, the, the Mariners have a big payroll. Yeah. Red Sox, Cubs. Um, there's a lot of bad contracts out there. I mean, there's we, that could a, be a whole podcast in it, itself. And but, it's a bore. It's yeah. I hate to say it, but the length of the games make it a bit of a boring thing to go to. And it's not much better on TV. But um, I knew we'd have to end on kind of a Uretsky gets critical. A little rant. Yeah, a little <laughs> rant. But uh, I think the uh, thing I'm looking forward to next year is going to a few more White Sox games and a few more games out of town. And uh, maybe I can convince you, instead of going to a dance recital with your granddaughter, <laughs> that we get in the car and go to PNC Park. That. I said at the beginning of the year I'm going to PNC Bar. I didn't do that. All right, let's uh, do that. We'll do that next I'm, year. I'm up for that. And then we'll do a podcast number two from live from PNC Park. And we'll pay more Pittsburgh. attention to the food. There you go. All right, man, I've enjoyed it. All right, it's me been too. It's fun. Thank it's you. Great. That's Bruce, Jamie on the lighter side of baseball signing off. Have a great day. If you're out on the golf course, hit them down the middle. Until the next podcast number 35, Jamie Reske on the lighter side of baseball saying, have a great day. Mm-hmm.